And welcome back to Handstand Factory with myself, Mikael Christiansen, and Mr. Everett Lewis. Ta-da! Welcome back to the Handstand Cast. Uh, this week we have a killer show for you, as usual. Every show is amazing with us, but this one in particular is going to be pretty good. We are going to talk everything involving mindset in handstand training, which we're going to... I suppose we're going to look at everything from training environment to frustration to fun to enjoyment to hating yourself to boredom at staring at the same piece of floor yeah, essentially like the entire the, the entire range of emotions yeah. you can have <laughs> related exactly. to handstand there's there's a lot more than goes i think there's emotions them. that i've experienced in hand balance training that don't actually have names <laughs> like what's that emotion for like your feet come off the floor in a press, but then you dump it forward. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely like there's a special emotion there that has never been listed in a <laughs> emotional handbook. Yeah, there, there handbook we, we need we need we need to come up with a new registry for like the the levels of annoyance that can occur. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, so just to start off talking about uh, the mindset thing, um, like of course there is. What I've registered, both with myself and a lot of just the people that tend to be attracted by this practice, because I think that, of course, not everything fits for everyone. And some people get very fascinated by something like, I mean, I'm sure that many of you that listen here are really fascinated and really into handstands. And some of you just maybe want to learn it just fun scale or just like looking around to figure out what this is. A personal challenge as well. Yeah, a personal challenge and so on. And I'm sure that like if you've at some point in your life spoken about either handstand or some other passion of yours to some people that just have zero understanding or interest whatsoever, they'll just go like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And they, they show no interest, they show no, uh, no kind of passion or they don't even understand what the hell you're so excited about with this thing that you're doing, <laughs> regardless if that is then handstands or if it's collecting stamps, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, but that basically like, I think that like, uh, there is a tendency at least for certain people or certain like people with yeah. certain interests or so to be attracted or gravitate towards certain interests. Yeah. There's um, kind of, there's a certain, I don't know. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's hard to put a finger on, but there is a certain type of person who will take handstand as a practice. It doesn't matter on the exact level, but then just go, this is my thing. I'm just going to do my thing. Mm. And it's the same sort of as you you get with someone who's like, I'm going to get really good at this specific video game mm. or I'm going to learn to sing this specific type of music in this specific style. It's very, there's something very narrow focused on it mm. almost. Yeah. Even though the practice itself can be quite broad. Yeah. And like, of course, you, you do have, like in everything, you will have people entering into it that are just, I mean, let's say they're like particularly talented or they just did, did gymnastics as a child or something. So they kind of, have it in their life and then they decide to continue with it as if it's like not really that much of a choice of kind of a like to use a cliched word word kind of a calling or like a very like strong drive they just kind of have it like yeah i am pretty damn good as an as an acrobat and i decided to go to circus school because that's kind of fits me and yeah. I, I know i know many hand balancers or people that kind of entered into like doing it through that and that is entirely fine uh but then you also have like the type speaking of the hobbyist, I suppose, almost hmm? the hobbyist type. Yeah, but so they, they can also be extremely good. But like, yeah. like, it's just this, this, uh, 
difference between there are some people that I see, especially people that started later in life, uh, that just like they kind of somehow choose handstands as being this like really important thing and they become ultra obsessed and focused on it. And I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. Like I, I was not physical as a kid and I was kind of like, I was always kind of ashamed of being in bad shape and like feeling that like I had no physical qualities kind yeah. of. And like to be completely honest, that's why I started breaking. Like I started breaking like as a way to be cool. I want like, if I can do this thing, if I can just fucking fly around there like that guy, I'm gonna be badass. I'm gonna be someone. And this is gonna be like create identity, basically like teenager thing. Yeah, and I can definitely relate to that from myself as well. Yeah, and I think I think that's an that's an important thing for a lot of people. Uh, but with handstands, since this is such a repetitive practice, like you, I find it fascinating in like mindset wise, simply because there are so many both acrobatic and non acrobatic practices that have yeah. that they will build up a skill set and it'll also take a long time, but very often they feel more rewarding on an earlier stage because like let's face it like it's to just get a normal handstand if you just are a like completely average physical capacities have no acrobatic experience it might take quite a lot of time and maybe you grind for six months maybe a year a very consistent practice and you still can barely stand on two arms you can't do anything quote unquote cool yet yeah you know what i mean and like getting a one-arm handstand is a long project for most people. And even when you can do a straddle one-arm, which can take like three to four or five years for some people from scratch. And like, yeah, and, and you're still kind of at the kind of a like yeah. basic level. This so it really like, takes that determined, determined mind. Yeah, to kind of it's almost it. like a level of resolve as well. I was reading a meditation book recently just on uh, hardcore Buddhist Dharma. Mm. But the guy was stressing a point. It was a... Uh, trying to dispel all the nonsense about Buddhism and you're just going you have certain meditation techniques and you apply them at a certain stage in your training and all you need is the resolve to just do the technique and just sit down and go I'm going to do this specific technique um, when I get distracted I'll go back to it and it's just kind of idea of just like with handstands just like I'm just going to do a handstand and I'm just going to keep going till I'm done mm. and a lot of people I think they have that kind of resolve that maybe say from my own sort of training, I had this revelation when I was very teenage that I was never naturally sporty. I was never really into sports as well. I just, you know, I'd go to sports days at school or play rugby and stuff like that when I was younger. It was just, it didn't really interest me. And I wasn't good at it naturally. So obviously I was just like, oh, I'm not good at this naturally. Why would I bother? But then I had this idea. I was like, hold on. I had this revelation when it came with rollerblading more than the else. It's like, if I just practice and practice enough I actually get good at something mm. and then I was like oh wait so then all I have to do is just do the thing practice you know practice was a very fucking vague concept it was more just get on the skates and do it yeah and then it became like oh I'll do it with skateboarding and I like, got once I was great at skateboarding but I could do it as well and you know I went back to rollerblade and I got even better but it was this idea that like oh it's just that there's a very clear relation in my resolve is I just go out and skate for an hour every day two mm. hours a day and then I get good yeah so it was this kind of thing you see that a lot with the people in handstands that a lot of people i know who are good at handstands even up the pro level aren't the most physically talented people like i can think of even when i was in circus school there's a lot of the aerialists in the school who came to school would have been more flexible stronger more say physically capable but none of them had the resolve to see the handstand training through hmm. 
and they you know they there's various times you'd note you'll see someone go oh i'm gonna learn a one arm you know really good splits really good shoulders very strong very yeah i've seen flexible. this so many times too and you know when you when you train in a circus environment if you want to learn a one arm you have all the tools available someone will know what's going someone will be able yeah. to go oh this is your sticking point either a coach or someone who's done it themselves it's very open sharing environment so it's there's no there's no limitation on knowledge mm. there's no limitation on like problem solving as well because someone will have encountered your problem yeah but you would see these people and they go i'm going to learn one arm and three weeks later they're just not doing handstands anymore yeah. they're just kicking up every now and then and it's kind of interesting it's just like that level of where you'd see people who mightn't be the same physical base substrate but they go i'm going to learn this mm. And then the resolution just like I'm just going to learn it no matter what, and they get there. Yeah. And then they get better and better and better. Yeah, it's it's really this, like, calling it personality type is kind of maybe making a broad stroke, but I think there are certain yeah, like you say, certain traits, certain like a des- like a deep desire to I I have to do this like yeah. personal challenge kind of thing or whatever. Like it's there is kind of like an internal drive to to just get it and. Um, and like I, it, it makes sense as well since it's the 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 investment to reward ratio is pretty bad yeah. for in terms of like if if you want to have if you want to have a cool looking trick I mean I've taught many people that came to me and it's like yeah okay yeah I know this guy he got he got it in six months he got to sit one arm in six months so I'm gonna do I'm I'm gonna do that I'm like yeah I'm gonna have it to summer I was like yeah sure you're gonna have it to summer show me oh boom two months passes by trains too hard told you not to do that boom wrist is wrecked and comes like hey hey hey, hey. no uh, blah, blah. Six, six years pass by still no one arm still barely any handstands involved so like while if the guy went like okay i'm gonna have a backflip to summer and be like yeah i'm gonna have it like he probably yeah, would have gotten that. Like, yeah like if he went to a gymnastics start. club or like had some mats or whatever he probably would have that have the backflip to summer and that would have kind of been it, been it with that and let's say maybe that person then would be interested in acrobatics and like do loads of flips and stuff. And of course, all these things are also very, really difficult, but on a different level. And you can kind of, let's start, say you start out tricking or like basic tumbling acrobatics. You have at least a few things you kind of yeah. get early on. Like you won't get like your, your round off backhand spring full twist quickly, but there's like loads of like small stepping stones and you'll have handstand things that will few. impress people. Yeah, exactly. Like it's one of the things with handstand if you start out like I have no handstand and I've never really trained. I don't know, six months go past, you still will have not anything that's impressive. Mm. If you done tumbling in six months time, you'll be able to do something where someone will go, okay, that's cool. You yeah. know, side flip, a back flip, exactly cartwheel, no hand cartwheel. You know, if you have a structured practice, yeah. whereas handstand is just like Nothing there's might a, happen in that time. Yeah, but there's, it's an interesting case of passion, but not too strong passion, I think, as well, mm. where you'll see if people are too passionate, you see this all the time, where they just train too much and then they blow themselves up. Mm. And it's kind of like, you see particularly when things begin to start working, the passion starts going and mm. they're like, I want to do more and more. Yeah, and then like, you wreck a wrist or you wreck a shoulder. Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, all been guilty of this yeah, at some yeah, stage. Yeah, for sure, me, me definitely. <laughs> so much but like you say that like that there is something there too like this about being able to do something cool and uh i think that most people that will try to deny to themselves that they don't don't yeah i don't want to do something cool you're likely lying lying yeah. to yourself or lying to others because like it's it's, it's not a bad thing like yes. when i look back on my practice like because it there there is a very like how to say um 
it's a very trendy thing to say that, yeah, you know, my practice is for me and I don't do this for others and blah, blah, blah. All this kind of like basic like Hollywood uh, yeah. fucking life wisdom, quote unquote, that, uh, about that, like you shouldn't really care about others. Of course you should care about others. We're social beings, like we're flock animals and we care what other people care about. And like these things are expression of that to some level of other. And what I find interesting, like if you like kind of relating it back to more like Eastern philosophies and, and stuff like that, that like, yes, there is a point where, where your practice becomes more important than uh, impressing others or making an impression or doing something that will kind of, because like, if you, if you look at it anthropologically, like what you're doing is something, you're doing something within a system and you want to achieve value. Like the one arm handstand is a signifier for value. I have achieved this yeah. level of value uh, and people will respect me for that. And more importantly, I will respect me for that. Yeah. So there's a lot of these things. And, but I think that like, yeah, this was with like philosophy around the fact that like at one point, I think that like it starts growing where the practice itself like you've done it for like a long time you maybe experienced yeah. like getting kind of that recognition and for me that was like a thing it's like suddenly i was standing there on stage in front of hundreds and hundreds of people each day and like taking the applause and yay 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 and then you kind of see like yeah that's cool but it's also kind of hollow and like that's where it came to me like the question okay i've kind of gotten this recognition that i searched for through first through kind of karate, then breaking, and then like circus, I kind of felt like I made it. And yeah. then you stand there and like, okay, do I kind of just go home and chill it? Because yeah, I, I'm, I'm good enough. And that's a, that's a valid choice, but I kept on practicing and I would see that like over time, oh, yeah, but it's the practice started being more important. And that's not saying that I don't think it's, I th still think it's nice if people like what I do. It's just, I will, there is a larger percentage that keeps me going. Like when I'm home for Christmas, I go on fucking New Year's Eve and like Christmas Day and stuff to the training hall when I can and I enjoy myself. It's yeah. kind of, it's, it's it's something in there, but it takes time to get to. Yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting. So I uh, just have to divulge slightly. I'm part of a system of Taoism, trained by Serge Auger. But we have this concept in the school of your practice, you're building a temple. And when you start doing your practice it has to be special for a certain reason. So it's say meditation, you have to get like, get some nice incense and get a nice cushion. And then you'll set up in a nice spot, always in the same spot. And you're slowly building this temple. Mm. But then as you get more and more into the practice, you realize the kind of the building is kind of irrelevant. Mm. And it's just the practice. What happens inside it is the more important thing. Mm. So this is kind of the stage you get to, you built your practice up, you, have made the really nice temple like you're saying oh it was in front of the crowd i was getting recognized for my skill but then you realize okay they're applauding the temple mm. whereas for you it's the more important thing is what goes on inside it mm. so it's that kind of thing it's like uh it's funny how it's kind of backwards too yeah like you need to come to a point like not does i don't think it needs to be recognition but i think it need, needs to come to this point where like okay you've started to know yourself through this practice and you'll you'll kind of see over time okay but actually is, is this actually what i do because yeah. like um, one of my favorite interviews with Rodney Mullen, uh, if you don't know him, he's a basically possibly the most influential skateboarder in history. I don't the skateboard, but skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, he basically created a lot of vocabulary and he's a really, really intelligent guy. And he talks about this and it's interesting to hear him talk about exactly that because I don't think I know of practically anyone that can 
say these words with such kind of weight as he can because i mean the guy the guy won literally i think he won 34 out of 35 contests he ever entered he literally created most of kind of the modern skateboarding he's still like style he's done tricks like to this day that other people can't replicate yeah exactly so like or he didn't didn't create the style but at least like he was extremely influential but then he just keeps talking about like in that interview he just says that hey yeah but i'm going gonna go out to skate tonight and like this guy that he's in his 50s he is he's gonna done everything and he he just found that like more and more after like he threw away all these trophies he said because like they didn't represent actually what he wanted to do with it and i think like those kind of things like take take time to build and i i'm still kind of like it's all all kind of a continuum of things i think but yeah um but yeah like to to bring it back a little bit to that with the personality types. I think there often there are personality types that search for something, and then like hand balancing, it's it's an easy target for these kind of people because it's physical. It's uh, a lot about meditation and like like it, it, in the sense that like you need to really focus on the moment. You can't really be anywhere else. As you kind of focus on the balance, you fall. And another thing I think was really really interesting that uh, I thought of, and that was. Once when I worked in Knitting Peace with Sirka Sirka, it's a show I was part of for three years. We had like an extremely heavy tour period and I was dead tired. I had super like sleeping problems because we played shows and they were done at like 10 o'clock, like ultra pumped adrenaline at 10 o'clock each night. Then ate food, then like the food kicks in at 12 o'clock and there you are until 4 a.m. in the morning. And this would go on for months. Uh, The show problem. That's when you start like drinking. alcohol problems in circus yeah and like like basically so the the company just got us in touch with this like sports doctor like he was he was a general practitioner but he was used to working with athletes so i meet him and he's like yeah i'm not gonna like he was like i just want to hear hear about you he says and uh, okay fair that sounds cool so we just discussed back and forth yeah about like yeah the training and and then i said to him like yeah you know hand balancing is uh i guess we'll come come into this topic as we speak but he said that like I said, hand balancing is just like such a thing where like it's it always feels like fresh meat and you you never know if you're going to manage. You come in there and you kind of need, as, as if you need to test yourself each day. If you take yeah. days off, you feel off. And, and then he said just like, and I said like, yeah, it's like almost as if you, you need to prove this to yourself whether or not it works. And he just says like, oh, a need for control, he said. And I was like, that's right. You fucking <laughs> nailed it. And I think there is something there because it's such a, such a test of control each time like uh it feels precious in that sense that like if you go towards the kind of limit of your vocabulary or like where you're you're trying to kind of master that next whatever the step is your your control literally is tested and it's it's kind of physicalized and kind of your mental state and there's so many things going into that and that's also why i think it's it's easy, it, it's easy to kind of get like emotionally attached to these things too because like you put so much of yourself into this yeah ma- like i manage i feel like a good person i didn't manage i feel like a bad person kind of thing yeah. and i think that can also become rather toxic for people if you kind of yeah, spiral too much yeah, of the control it's definitely it. one of these things where it's like hand balance it's there's few disciplines that actually train the three bodies so with three bodies in the classic sort of sense would be physical emotional and mental mm. and you mentally have to understand the trick you're doing and exert this control 
but you need a, a level of conscious absorption into your own body where you're actually able to feel your body in space. This could be at a subconscious level, but you have to actually be able to challenge your proprio reception of the space and actually be able to feel it. Mm. And then at the same time, you're also dealing with, on a very basic level, success or failure. Yeah, exactly. You're like I was going to kick up and do a 15-second two-arm handstand, and I've done 14 seconds. Mm. And now you have set something that will cause either, oh, I've done 16 seconds, great i feel good mm. oh i've done 14 seconds oh i've failed what i've set to do mm. so you're dealing with like the three bodies at once which mm. is a an interesting thing it's also you know the gateway into meditation mm. in some ways <laughs> so it's kind of not to say there's a meditation practice or it could be or it couldn't be but it's a it's this interesting thing that uh it's always this idea in circus that we're dealing with risk we're proposing a challenge we're dealing okay this is the risk i'm going to attempt take a look at it but and hand balance and a lot of the other stuff it's a personal like any kind of flaw is very immediately punished mm. whereas like say say aerial like i've dabbled in a bit of aerial over the years and like you go up on a quarter lease and you're going to do a drop and you miswind the rope and it's out by five centimeters you fall down mm. nothing happens you're still it might hurt a bit more it might like get a bruise on a bit that of your skin that isn't conditioned but you still achieve what you set to do mm. whereas hand balance like you squeeze the fingertips just a bit too hard mm. you push yourself off your own balance point mm. so it, it, it's it's funny with that too because hand balancing is also one of the least risky in one sense in yeah. terms of like physical danger like if you jump on the trampoline and you make a severe mistake you can die or you can be paralyzed or break things uh while hand balancing is like it's 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 funny that like it's so easy to take it so personal yeah. whereas if if you mess up the flip on the trampoline like it just seems like people maybe it's also because i've never done those disciplines but uh it seems just that it's with hand balancing it's uh it's i guess it's so much also because it's all you and you're yeah. so present in each and every moment of what's going on i mean if I do like, let's say, breakdancing power moves, if you when you spin around and you mess it up, okay, it doesn't feel good either. But like, you're kind of in this like fast roll, this fast yeah. motion, and like, uh, you're the experience of the failure kind of feels different than this. Like, you're you're doing a, like almost one arm, almost one arm, almost one arm. I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting it. Uh, yeah, it's that kind of like, it's a. Uh... It's that idea of like you have a you have a, an idea of the feeling that would be achieved by the movement and your ego has set the challenge of like I must do it and then you think you're doing it and then when you fail it it can be almost a, like a smack to the ego mm. in like using the ego on a kind of broader the bigger ego yeah. thinks this thing it was like it's very interesting it's also like this idea of like just touching on the risk idea again I remember I'd done a workshop, a weekend workshop with the director from Arc Chaos. Mm. And the name eludes me right at the moment. And he was talking to talking Arc to Chaos the workshop. is a French circus company. Yeah, French it's circus company. They were very famous at like as around the time when Cirque got big, Cirque de Soleil got big, they were mm. very famous for doing various shows that were like chaotic and like people who were going into the shows were just like we weren't sure we were going to come out alive it was just like circus as had never been done before but uh the topic of the workshop was risk and mm. uh, one of the points he made was like aerialists used to be the riskiest thing in circus like people you know performing trapeze with no nets and yeah, yeah. no crash mats and 
improper technique and all this and this is what mm. caused the wow but you're saying then hand balancers and jugglers are now the people who deal with risk and control the most mm. but the audience doesn't get it because when your hand balance act goes good it just looks too easy mm. when your juggling act goes good yeah, you don't drop in, it just yeah, yeah, you look in nice. control whereas it's kind of like this outside calm inside mm. turmoil mm. it's uh i always find that quite interesting it's like okay and that but that inside turmoil because you get the same the same type of personalities do very well at juggling mm. as well as hand balance it's quite mm. a like, yeah yeah know. i've heard that discussed also that there's like a similarity in like this the extreme repetitiveness of of doing the same thing and getting like like there's the progress being very slow and uh like also like the the approach being very kind of methodical you're dealing with i mean juggling you're yeah. dealing with numbers like handstands you kind of also like I held it for 10 seconds yeah. that isn't like as relevant in very many other disciplines or like it might be relevant but not like for each and everything like yeah. it is in handstands everything is about like okay how long did i keep this control or like whatever and i, I think that that is also what leads into that like very frustrating stage of it and like i can tell you i've been i've been of the worst like i'm seldom as for uh, as um frustrated nowadays as i used to be uh, partly because i'm older and more <laughs> jaded and <laughs> more jaded. <laughs> and just like i mean it, it it doesn't matter i mean you've basically gone through enough experiences to see like oh yeah yeah this is this is how it is i've been this frustrated before it didn't lead to anything good then and so on and so on but i mean anyone can have a bad day and occasionally i can flip out too it is what it is occasionally he flips out yeah like but the, the, <laughs> the thing is that it's 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 rather rare at the moment and it's kind of like uh i don't i don't think it's any point to kind of like well up the emotions either yeah sometimes you just like you just have a shitty day and then it's fine but like mm, what i used to do as well like i used to kind of rage and like like people around me got annoyed because like okay but you, you uh, i'm training over here and there's a person over there like being really angry at some shit and then like after like facing the consequences of that i was like fuck but i, I can't do this anymore so i like literally after i was working and saw okay this doesn't work anymore and i just like literally just made the snap decision suppress the emotions yeah but not even just <laughs> no. like basically going like okay but there there isn't any point so so just like not letting kind of just any kind of annoyance like you bring out the reaction because there isn't really much point of making a reaction but it's it's uh i think these these kinds of things whether it's now handstands or anything else where you put a lot of identity and personality into and like you close i believe it's kind i think it's a good thing to put a lot of yourself into something and yes when you fail it feels really bad but at least you're you're really going for it uh, yeah. and that that's at least something that i i value but uh, and then you kind of need to accept the thing that comes with that yes if you have that shit day and everything goes garbage yeah you're going to feel pretty damn bad but it's okay it is yeah. what it is and over time you'll just learn to kind of process that better but uh it's not gonna leads just a segue into another topic it kind of leads into the idea of a training environment mm. i think this is a big thing particularly for the hand balance i'm noticing uh i'm noticing this a lot at the moment with my own training i've like made a thing i took a break from training acrobatics for four years just to focus on other stuff but i've come back to train hand balance and i'm now training in a commercial gym in dublin and one of the things that was getting to me is like it causes me to rage quit the gym a lot of times when like 
people are just doing stupid shit around me i have a very low tolerance for stupidity oh like that get guy yesterday was screaming at the class oh, yeah I like that stuff <laughs> i thought like you know two people skipping beside you off beat with the music and off beat with each other mm. boom i'm out of there mm. someone like lying down on the floor and i don't know what they're doing but it kind of looks like i don't know some kind of sex positions exteriorized in weightlifting but non-erotically i'm out of there the music is uh marvin grape marvin gay i heard it to the grapevine remix but there's four different variations of remixes on the same playlist that just keep going on loop yeah Boom. It's i'm crazy. out of there but it's that kind of idea of like so it's pretty extreme it's commercial gym it's not a, the best situation but even when you're in certain training spaces like it can have an effect on you mm, you know sure. like just as you touched on like you know i used to rage a lot but i had that experience as well when i was training in circus space it was you know i'd be juggling or doing whatever and that would get me fucking angry I'd identify with it and then just like throw all my props against the wall and fucking smash them around storm around the room and it was kind of okay because the space was so big but no one gave a damn and mm. other people would be doing it because like you're all fucking 20 year olds and like mm. can't control your shit mm. <laughs> but then it's like as you're saying you get in a more professional environment and suddenly like you know throwing your shoe across the room in rage isn't a professional option yeah then you're gonna hear it <laughs> basically so. yeah but I, I think it's like it's interesting also that the kind of environment thing since it's a very it's a very lonely kind of discipline in one sense yeah it's you and the floor and it's you and you uh and it's kind of almost how to say selfish in a sense like if you compare it to like hand to hand where you're always relating to another person you're yeah. always like there's always or like team play where it's like you're always part of a group here it's kind of like you're like basically an anti-social like just it, it's 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 me and the hand and the shoulder and i am going to stand with my legs in this position and i'm going to do this and that is all that matters for me like yeah. in terms of like <laughs> my quality of life today kind of uh and like mindset and i've seen that a lot like personally when i train like sometimes i absolutely love to train alone um i often go on like saturdays and sundays and just stuff just okay i'm perfectly alone and just do my thing but also i like to have others around me and sometimes when i see people do handstands like they're next to me and doing handstands and they put in like earphones i'm just like oh okay fair enough i i get it because it's this kind of practice but i also like it more when it's just like okay we're just hanging out together and it's like chit chat and yeah. nonsense and then you know, i do some handstands you do some handstands chit chat and stuff like that and i think um like, yeah, i get what you mean there it's kind of like there's a level of like things that are just reassuring about having someone's presence in the room doing the same thing mm. and like it's the same thing like you're doing sort of training in say circus environments or ones that are a bit more i suppose movement gyms and gyms that are a bit more open to these things where you may not be having a direct conversation with the person mm. but you kind of there's a level of acknowledgement and witnessing mm. for what you're doing yeah and like occasionally you know you'll hit some a good set or something new and that person if they know what you're training will be like mm. i've seen that yeah. awesome mm. or they'll see that you're happy mm. with what you're doing yeah. and they might know what you've done but you'll come mm. down you'll be smiling and like mm. oh new pr or something just clicked yeah and they're like oh that was awesome mm. and that kind of thing and it's kind of a two-way thing and kind of it's a it's a weird kind of like it's not like a team sport and it's not like we're in this together and it's not like you know oh we're all thing but it's still this kind of yeah, being me. able to be happy for the other person's yeah. achievement yeah a bit of empathy and yeah I, I think that's also really important and something that i really want to call to cultivate with training uh it's like i don't 
think the I'm not such a happy I'm in general not so happy about competition and these kind of things so like I find it nicer if people can enjoy together and share and just have a good time and especially since I mean it's circus so or even if you do this and you're not a circus artist it's uh, it's like because that is also leads leads me to think about the kind of the judgmental attitude as we talked about like I judge myself very hard if I manage or not that kind of thing uh, and that also leads to kind of the community, it leads to the kind of the thoughts about like what is right, what is wrong. And it's very easy to be very judgmental. Oh, but yeah, well, that guy doesn't have a straight handstand. And as if that is kind of like derogatory, but, yeah, but like, does it does it matter? Like if, if a person has a lot of fun, then that should be kind of the primary thing. Sure, if you're going to an audition for a circus company and you're, you're it might be, I'd like you might get the job if you do a good job sure yeah then like present your best best shit but like it's it's also nice to kind of like create a good atmosphere around these things and i think it's also healthy just since uh, again it is a very obsessive practice it uh, attracts people yeah. that are very obsessive about it so like um being Start. able to kind of build a good mental state around the practice uh just makes it on average so that you'll have like yeah more fun with it basically it's one of these things like if you're working in a group i suppose you don't want to reinforce the obsessiveness to the nth degree mm. like, we look at, like it's also like you got to remember there is the uh the shifting baselines as well mm. of like people's toe point so like toe point was a thing you know if you can get your foot straight it was fine and then it becomes like oh no wait you need like the claw as it's known in the business, mm. whereas like your toe point doesn't go straight; it goes like beyond straight. Yeah, it's like a crow. <laughs> yeah, and that's the new baseline. And if you don't have this baseline, and like most people, if they're into their practice and they're kind of filming and self-assessing, mm. will get like they already know. They already know a lot of the details that are wrong, and then if people are picking up on them and reinforcing them, like no, it is not a good handstand if. Uh, it's not like this. I remember one of the guys, one of the hand balancers that was in uni with me. Uh, I think he, his toe point was just bad. He was really flexible. You know who I'm talking about. Mm. I just want to name names. Uh, really flexible, really good hands, learned hands really quickly. His toe point wasn't great. And he spent ages, wasn't great by his own standards. It was perfectly fine. Like I remember him mm. talking to me one day. He's like, oh, but your toe point is fine. I, I'd never even noticed the toe point was bad. Then again, I'm a bit dumb to these things. And uh, he was just talking about it. He was like asking me some stretching advice how to do it. And he spent ages battering his toe point. He had like people standing on his toes every day. They made some blocks of wood in a certain shape to kind of like basically do Chinese foot binding. Mm. And eventually the physio was like at the school. We just sent him for an x-ray. Just like, let's see what's going on there. He had this uh, a bone. He had an extra bone in his ankle, which is a common thing. It's like when, when one of the growth plates doesn't fuse. And just like there's no way your his foot was going to point straight. It's just mm. like a bony limit, mm. but because he had picked on this detail, he was a mm. bit obsessive and he couldn't get it to work. It was mm. uh, caused a lot of mental frustration for about two years before this was picked up on. Yeah, I, I've had I've had like the similar types of experiences where you just like uh, you get um, pointed out a certain detail and then that's all you can see, uh, and yeah, I, th I think again since people do these things and they're very aware of everything that's going on aware of the aesthetics and all that like it becomes um it becomes so 
uh, obvious when things aren't exactly yeah. like it should be. And this kind of like brings me a little bit to think about like the internet of like has also led a lot to this where there is like a very, I mean, if you read on various like handstand groups and like things around the internet, there's like just such an obsession on things needing to be perfect and everyone's ready to tell you that, oh yeah, but you can do this bit more and like this and a bit more like that. And everyone treating like, like there's just this constant talk about, oh yeah, I know it's not so good, but uh, do you have any advice for, uh, maybe it can be a better, like, but like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. I mean, I'm all for like, try to do it the best you can, but like, if if this that like if this is detrimental to the on average enjoyment of what you're doing then i think it's important to reassess like exactly what we're talking about the mindset around the practice because you're like you you'll just ruin more for yourself than you need to and i'm also speaking from experience for this because i used to just waste a lot of time just getting annoyed by things that just don't help like yeah. didn't it, it helped me in zero ways and like it's it's very important to be able to just take a step back and say, oh yeah, that's actually quite fun to stand in my hands. Oh hey, it looks pretty cool. I I like this kind of thing. Yeah, and you gotta forget like once you're like okay at handstands, once you can do like all the basic shapes and press and something, you're in a very small percentage group in the world. Yeah, like you just still have to bear that in mind. It's like yes, we are very cliquey and we do kind of stick together, but all in all, like you know, once you can stall the press to someone or once you can stall the press the handstand, you're someone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, well, in that kind of thing. Like, obviously, it doesn't seem like a big thing to us who are into it, but there's not a lot of people out there who could or could ever. Yeah. Which kind of leads to uh, one of the things we kind of touched on, I suppose, the negative sides of group. But what about the positive sides of training groups? There's like, depending on who your peers are, and it even comes down to an attitude thing, like, it can really boost the level and kind of like act like a force multiplier. Mm. like it's that idea that uh, it's so common that you see this a lot in you see this a lot in object manipulation as well just to segue slightly into that where you'll see certain groups of people who are kind of slightly isolated from others but it becomes the norm to get ridiculously good at a certain subset of object manipulation whatever ball juggling ring juggling specific types in this and they come around then they burst onto the scene with a video or a promo going like we have basically just invented a new genre or subgenre of this, and you kind of see that a bit in hand balance as well. It's like it's uh, it's one of the things I put down to the Kiev school, the mm. Kiev school of hand balance. They're ridiculously good, very resolute, very very determined. But when I was talking to us, some of my students have trained there, I know a few other people have trained over the years there. When you talk about what they're doing technique wise and the technical advice, it's good. But there's other coaches out there in other circus schools who would give people the exact same advice. Yeah. Like it's, I wouldn't, sure. it's, you know, it's as good as it comes, but the techniques have been disseminated everywhere. But you still see consistently there's like groups and there's even subgroups who come out of Kiev of certain years where whatever came together, the, the four or five people who were doing training handballs at the time, mm. they just push themselves to reach that next level, which other schools just can't mm. get into. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm like it's. I mean, it is. It is known for being <laughs> the best school for hand balancing, and it's it's for a reason. I mean, it's it's them, and it's it's China essentially. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of like pushing that kind of raw technical, uh, physical skill, uh, and yeah, I, I do think the kind of the environment like p 
plays a large role in like is that 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 I've seen in many places it's like um even remember that in breaking like back in like the early 2000s uh where like Scandinavian breakers in general like they were really influenced by like certain styles and they were all like pretty good dancers they had a lot of kind of like versatility and like musicality and stuff but no one like for example power moves it was very weak like especially in norway like there are very few that could kind of like as in they're all too tall maybe in norway for power moving no but like even, you know, actually a couple of the best guys were actually tall but like you'd see just like france exploded everyone could air flare like norway you had like two guys uh and you just see in these clicks where kind of something normalizes then yeah that kind of becomes the norm and that kind of uh makes I don't know if it makes it seem easier or so, but it's just I think it does make it seem easier. It's like it's it's say say just to uh, what's been blown up like Diablo. So Diablo juggling is a kind of like a giant yo-yo on a on a string. And mm. when I was learning Diablo back I don't know twenty years ago, like no one could do three. It just wasn't the thing. And then someone figured out the technique to start three and then I was one of the first people like the first ten in the world to do it along with these other kind of crew of people and that was the kind of new norm for thing but I've kind of started going back and looking at what's around now but now like all the kids like 14, 15 they're doing four Diablos they're doing five they're doing tricks with four they're doing tricks with five hmm. and it's just like but someone pointed out like they came into the level when three was kind of the norm hmm. Like obviously expanding on technique, but it was just like everyone done three. Mm. So they go, oh well, three is the normal. I'll get that quick, and then like okay, to push it, they have to push the four and five. Mm. So it's kind of if you walk into a room where like everyone does presses, everyone does one arms, and you're willing to stick it out in that room, it will. It becomes the norm if you don't really know much. This is the other thing: if you don't really know much about what came before, either the history of the skill. Or how long these people go, you just will raise to that level. Yeah. There's kind of, sorry, just to talk over you, but uh, this level of uh, physical empathy as well, which people kind of neglect, that we, on a very subconscious level, we learn by watching people hmm. and replicating. Our bodies have a very good sense of this. It's very like, goes down to, you know, assessing threats of danger and stuff like this, but uh, it can be coerced into dance. It's why, like, it's one of these theories about why people like watching dance performance and stuff like this, because you get a, your body kind of replicates the physical sensation it's feeling. So you mm. get to experience the dance by watching yeah, the it's dance. It's kind of subcommunication in a sense. Yeah. yeah. But whereas everyone has like very good technique in the room, then you have this uh, level of physical empathy going on where like suddenly you'll sort of find things working for reasons you can't. Mm, yeah. Like it's, um... it's the same. Like I actually get the same thing whenever we train together. Mm. Like every single time we try to get trained together, like, <laughs> Technique jumps up. I remember the first workshop we took together. Mm. So Mika was teaching in uh, Berlin. I knew about him from gymnastics bodies and about posting there and this kind of thing. I was like, okay, we've got to go to this. And I, can't remember, I don't think I was even training hand balance at that time. It's kind of, it's no, but away. I remember you, you, ha you had a good pike looking at toes handstand. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think that was like, besides just playing around with it a bit in circus school, like head on, like the head on chin subset wasn't really a big subset in circus space and mm. the, the hand balance syllabus. Mm. And you were just like, oh, try this. And I was like, nailed it for like a good 20, 30 seconds, mm. like multiple times. And I was just like, oh, cool. But I think it was like a lot of it was just like, okay, Mikhail's in the room. Okay, cool. He's a legend. Okay. 
better uh, <laughs> better bring my A game. Yeah, like it's 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 fascinating this entire thing of like the kind of normalizing of of uh, of skills and of um, like I I, th- I think of course like there there are certain uh, like v- various driving forces of this of course like that that yeah you just see what is kind of the normal and you think okay yeah this this is just what everyone does like, of, like kind of of course I'm going to do it and this is this is something that like if we kind of start speaking a little bit about more like personal practice and tr- the training aspect of it and like if be training eff- effectively I think that there are a couple of things there that, are, that like for example with one arm handstands if you go into a circus school everyone and their dog is doing a one arm handstand you start training there and you're like oh yeah okay yeah sure yeah yeah the one arm straddle that's just like that's just the basic thing that, that that is kind of that is kind of the what you will internalize as like okay yeah. that, that's just normal that's just whatever and you start training and then uh you don't put the move on a pedestal you know what yeah. i mean like you don't look upon it as this like oh wow this is so hard this is so crazy and because whenever you do that like it it you will always um respect the move too much uh you will kind of like oh i i'm not sure if i'm ready i'm not sure if i'm ready rather than just trying and like you yeah. end up trying enough times and like because you can brute force a one arm like and not not just by brute strength but you can if you try enough times standing on one arm but in the end you'll be able to stand on one arm like it'll it'll suck and your body won't be efficient and you might waste a lot of time but it's possible yeah uh, but see break dancing all those dudes who are doing one arms with yeah yeah i'd say not that even was technique me. like negative technique yeah yet they're still doing it yeah you, you, it, exactly and, and yeah. you you can so it's like uh making sure that like you uh don't like and i see this a lot with internet because there's a lot of discussion of like you have to perfect this and you have to basic that and return to basics and then you need to do more basics and you need to have this many yes, seconds of this and this many seconds of, that. of yeah. basics and the quantification of it yeah and and i think it's so funny because the best hand balancers i've seen developing through uh the years that i've been active including myself have just been people that oh shit yeah i want to learn this thing i'm just gonna try doing it and i'll just try a million billion times and of course, like I was in circus school under Sasha Alexander Gavrilov, who's a Russian teacher. So he would be telling me technically if I was bending my legs or doing things wrong. So I got to hear it, but I wasn't going to be like, oh, I need to perfect exactly all of this before I feel ready to move on. I would be just trying yeah. to do everything. I was working on one arm switches and blocks like the first year. I was training all the tricks because I just th- thought, okay, I need to practice them all. And I learned them and I've seen people after me, myself as well who have done a similar approach. Uh, a couple of guys that are now, now like absolutely crazy good who just like, remember this one one guy, like he, he had like a kind of a meh one arm, but like he was trying to jump on block and switch arms and he wasn't ready at all. But I was just like, oh, actually not going to tell him because he's working on his form in class and it's just getting better. And by the time he can actually stand really solid on both of these hands, he has jumped 5,000 times. Of course, he was 17 at the time, so he had just like the full power capacity. And like he had like, I wouldn't have said the same to a 40-year-old, but lo and behold, that guy is like a superhero on jumping like, I think he jumps upstairs on one arm on canes at this point. It's like, it... It can really work. And, and an interesting thing on the environment there that if you'd uh, 
gone into him and said, no, no, you're not ready for this mm -hmm. at some point, then maybe he would have like not done those 5,000 jumps or like wait and not be the monster beast he is. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like if, if we like, if we come up to him and say, yeah, you know, like you're not ready for this. You need to train this and then that and then this and being too kind of like put him down too much. Like, yeah, I think he would have respected it too much. And yeah. of course they're like, this is not saying that you shouldn't do basics. Because of course, like all these things need to be really good. But in, in that situation, I just saw that, okay, with the energy levels of this guy, that's what he needs to do. And yeah. it really works because then you just try to do the thing that you do or that you want to do. And it's one of the secrets of coaching, I think the jump to coaching is to know when not to say something. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's always infinite cues you can give someone, but knowing just to go like, Okay, that's just going to get better with time, yeah. or it's not important to give this cue right now. Yeah, it's one of the things the internet could learn. It's just like, that's great. Keep trying. See you later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this is not. I've I've also seen people on the opposite end of the spectrum who've been like over analyzing their one arm and every time they fall. But but my I was a bit soft in my hip and I felt this and I felt that and I felt this. But just stop feeling. Just stand on your fucking arm. Just deal with balance concentrate on the on on staying up there over time you'll get the sensation over time you'll be more more detailed with it but like if you consequently analyze every little second you're up there you're just like wasting that mental energy that you need to spend on the balancing yeah. on on itsy bitsy micromanaging kind of like like one person i've seen like doing a lot of classes with another teacher and there's a goal like every time I go down it's like oh yeah but but now this and but now that and like as if like you're literally trying to write a book with all the various sensations and it's it's not always necessary because you just yeah, need, need to get up there and sensation wanking hmm? sensation wanking sensation wanking like, yeah that's a good word they just spend too long focusing on sensations yeah but like it's it's the kind of the opposite end of like when you develop the microscope to be able to look into the body and read the catalog of sensations that's presented every moment mm. and then you will label some of them as like correct sensation bad sensation but maybe your labeling is wrong mm. like this is the kind of thing you're like oh i felt my knee bend and that caused me to fall out i was like well maybe you're actually were off balance already and then your knee bent in response mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it begins to get uh the obsessiveness of what happens can be a can be positive but it can also be negative yeah and like it's it's easier it's easy to create a backwards logic there simply yeah. also because you as you said like certain things in your body will happen as as a consequence rather than being the reason for uh you falling for example and uh these are the things that like um technique and setup and so on are like proactive things you make a decision like okay this is how i'm going to try to do it while the balancing and if you speak about like the mindset of balancing balancing is reactive like there is nothing you can do cognitively thinking yourself out of from an out of balance place to an into balance place this is something your body does and you need to allow your general mind state to be blank enough to let the body do so to take yeah. a perfect example of this it's just like like stand on two feet have your like have your friend stand behind you and ask them to push you in the back at like a random moment so what's going to happen is like you're going to fly forwards like maybe fast or slow or maybe they won't push you so hard that you won't fall but you have no time uh, or there's nothing cognitively you can do to regain balance but unless that per person pushes you too hard you're going to find back your balance maybe you take two steps maybe you just like 
push your like your chest goes forwards and your hip goes backwards body knows exactly what to do and you need to you need to let the body uh try to do this again and again and again and again and again so that it will develop a registry it develops a strength uh, required to catch in a handstand when you're falling out but it is ultimately a reactive capacity that you can't think yourself to and yeah it's this idea that we call the fight yeah that like when particularly when you're learning two arm one arm even a headstand it doesn't matter that you have to have this mindset that i'm just going to fight and it's the intent to stay on balance makes the body go like, okay, this is what we're doing. I will solve the problem of the constraints you've implied of like not move the hands mm. by trying to do something with the torso, something with the legs, something with the shoulder that will maintain it on this point. Mm. And it's kind of, it's a very important mindset to develop. Whereas if you spend too long analyzing why every micro mistake, yeah, you're forgetting the important thing is like, put the mind on something that it can pay attention to, mm. fight, and then just let the body do it and just almost ignore the sensations. Mm. The interesting thing is like just deciding, like you being determined to stay on your hands as you kick up is more than enough. That 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 is what you're looking for. Because when that is done enough times, like your body's figuring this out and like trust that the body is a really, really, really intelligent mechanism that will figure this out. As we said before, you can brute force the handstand, try enough times and it'll work. Yeah, but if you if you try it with the correct setup, like good strengthening work, alignment and technique, you'll you don't need as many attempts. Like even even close to as many attempts. So it'll be gonna be a lot more efficient. But the balancing thing no one can teach you it's your body reacting to the forces constantly and and that can only kind of happen if you allow that kind of a blankness to to be present and like mind state way or like kind of mindset wise as well let's say working on alignment like let's say you do that with a wall which is a really good thing it's like you set up by a wall you don't have you don't need to worry about balance you don't need to be blank it's proactive. You are you go upside down, your feet is on the wall. Okay, what do I need to do? Yeah, first of all, I point my toes. Now they're pointed. I tense my my thighs. I squeeze my butt. Okay, I need to push my shoulders high and I need to look at the floor. Okay, how does this feel? And you can even like relax and tense, relax and tense and do this several times over since like you're you don't you don't need to react to anything because you're not in balance, but you can get the sensation of this, how this is and then slowly but surely as you get comfortable with doing this in free space or in balance by the wall or whatever you start implementing that into the balance as well and it doesn't mean that when you go into your first balances you shouldn't think at all about the technique because you'll you'll need it to set yourself up close enough to be able to do any balancing work but uh, it's just that like they they don't correlate these two things in terms of of technique and the actual balance and i think the funny thing is that uh, the um, so let's, let's just imagine that you take just a random person let's say we take a crossfitter uh, someone who's pretty strong uh, has some decent pushing strength overhead maybe not the most flexible shoulders but has like general capacity and is able to maybe stand on her hands maybe walk on her hands to, to a certain degree uh, that person will maybe not find uh, the uh, uh, how to say this perfect uh, uh, trapezius pushing straight arm handstand to be the most effective, ef- like efe- efficient p- 
position for them at that point in time. And the reason for that is simply that like uh, I look upon like efficiency as being kind of a um, it's a subjective matter. Of course, there are certain like things that will allow you to go much further with the vocabulary and hence these kind of like the straight technique for handstands and so on. But for that person at that time, that is how the body solves the puzzle. Let's say the person bends his arms a bit so that like the he can use the kind of tri triceps and work on the chest and stuff to 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 help him with balance and to hold himself up because that's where he has power. That's where he has something to work with. And I think yeah. this is an important uh, thing to kind of consider when you're learning this, that like, of course you want to attain and work towards a uh, like, quote unquote, like high level of skill, like relative to where you want to go with it, but that you try to correct the technique and so on. But uh, you need to be working from where you are at and yeah. with the body you have. And like, if, if you don't, compromise the technique at any point whatsoever then you're basically going to end up with what they do in a lot of uh, high level sports you're going to come to a point where it's like sorry mate you're you're not cut up out for being the best to go home like yeah that is what's going to happen while like if you're not doing this for sports and even professional circus artists aren't really doing it for sports there are no criteria there are no code of points yeah so like why is it then so judgmental? And this is something I find kind of fascinating in with hand balancing. Why do we need to judge it so hard? I'm like, oh, I don't like this technique. I don't like that person's I technique. I think people How judge it? it like so harsh because you're generally always dealing with a static image and it's very easy to assess a static image. Mm. Like a static shape is like, okay, I can go through the details where if you, like, I don't know, say we took a soccer player and he was running to get a ball it's very difficult to like assess someone's running gait mm. when they're running at speed unless you really know what you're doing. Mm. So you're not going to go like, oh, that soccer player, he's running and his stride length is slightly uneven and his arm swing needs a bit of help. Mm. Maybe if a running coach, you could spot this. Whereas hand balance, because it's so slow, a lot of people end up thinking like, ah, I can tell what's going on and I can tell their internal process mm. from this static image they presented or a static video. Mm. So it kind of, it's this speed of assessment where people go like, ah, oh, so it's very, I don't know, it's very tick the box in terms yeah. of like what is good and what is bad. Yeah, and like the positions are also kind of like they use very clear kind of geometry, yeah. which kind of makes it, it, it becomes easy for almost anyone to to spot whether or not the kind of correctness is there, depending on like, like okay, the person does a pike handstand, is the legs exactly level with the floor? Are the knees straight? Are the lines clean looking? You know what I mean? Like these yeah. things are very, uh, they're, they're easy, as you say, they're easy to spot. And since you stay in the position for some time, it becomes uh, it becomes easy to see. And then like it, it, it becomes easy to kind of see those flaws then. Yeah. And um, I think that it's, it's also then mindset wise, it's very easy to start only focusing on those flaws or like ju judging from this kind of paradigm of, of perfection. Yeah. And like, it's, it's not always like, it, it's very funny as well. Like if you look into kind of circus arts and the people that like I find to do the most interesting and unique stuff, they often do very different things, like yeah. strange things. And, um, like it's like Imogen Hustle is, for example, a very good example of that. Uh, if you don't know who she is, you should check her out. She has a lot of like very strange shapes and interesting, different things. 
um, which comes from from her perspective and her way of viewing what she does. But there are tons of different styles, and like I appreciate also kind of the straight clean technique. I do a lot of that, and I kind of yeah. love these certain moves that I do. But uh, it's fascinating that a, a discipline such as circus that ultimately wants to pre- present something unique and personal, uh, something that is then makes you stand out from the rest of people that do what you do. Yeah. You end up like chasing down the same corridor of like only this hierarchy of difficulty and nothing else. Uh, like how deep is your Mexican? How, how perfectly level is your flag? How long did you hold your legs together, arm up position? Uh, and so on and so on and so on. And like you just like, I found myself when, when looking at like handstand acts on YouTube, I just like skipped through to see what tricks they did and done with it because like there was so little else to yeah. to see. And I think that also comes from like, if you flip it a little bit back to the things we started talking about, like how much time and effort you put into this practice so that like you spent so much time mastering that like flag of yours and that yeah. like position of yours that like that is all you can think about. Yeah, I think it could be almost be compared to classical music, mm. where in classical music, it's like you have these people who are virtuosic at their instrument that have possibly been playing since age four or five, gone through all the school, all the thing, and then they're playing in an orchestra and they're just playing someone's music that, and they're trying to basically almost, no, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of variance in orchestras and in uh, composing, conducting but they're still trying to almost replicate this piece of music that was written four or 500 years ago mm. and trying to see, can they, can they come as close to perfection as possible mm. in this? And it's kind of, you get that a bit in hand balance. It's like, I'm going to get these 10 shapes and I'm going to make them as close to perfection as possible. And it's kind of, possibly it's that, perf- it's not even a perfectionist. There's definitely perfectionists, but it, it appeals to that like, the ephemeral quality of perfection mm. that can you can touch it sometimes but you can't there's always going to be a tiny flaw you can find mm. in your thing and like you might be doing one arm and I've held it longer than I have and my toes were clean and my legs were clean and mm. my shape was clean and everything was working but then you look at the video and go oh but at five seconds in I bent my elbow slightly mm. but I re-straightened it mm. but I just didn't have that sense of perfection but you, there's the other thing is like you ignore, you ignore everything else which was perfect. Mm. So in some ways, when you're assessing yourself, you know, even when you're giving advice on the internet, it's one something I have to remind myself to, is say something nice about the person's technique. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, for sure. It's, like, it's very easy to be critical. It's very easy to pick the details, but like you know, someone posts something as like you know, you'll post something to one of the internet groups or thing and go, oh, how's my form looking? And everyone will say something bad and you'll have 10 different things that are bad about your mm. form on that thing. Yeah, yeah. That's my new thing. Sorry. But very few people will go, oh, you know, that's really good. Keep work. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember like it really struck me once when I saw like some like street workout dude doing a Maltese on the floor. I mean, if you don't know what a Maltese is, it's, it's basically like the the steel rings element from gymnastics where you're the end boss of the planche game yeah it's like yeah like a pretty super difficult move it's kind of like almost a mix between a planche and an iron cross uh, in terms of where you place your body like essentially it is super duper ultra strength requiring and the maltese of this guy was, yeah, was pretty good i mean it wasn't as good maybe as the 
best one executed in terms of gymnastics code of points you could see and someone just like the only comment is like hey dude you're like arching a bit in your your maltese and i'm just like the guy's doing a maltese like oh, this boy. is like yeah this is like one of the highest level elements you could see and it, it wasn't it wasn't just jank either it wasn't just some like guy who didn't like, like yeah, yeah like it, it, it was pretty legit it was, it was a good maltese it wasn't like he might have gotten a little bit of a um, quarter mark deduction. Yeah, he would have gotten a deduction in the Olympics, but hey, you'll also see a lot of like the best gymnasts, unless they're fully on point, they they might do a little bit of that too. But that's the thing that like it it the these kind of disciplines and when they're treated with these very specific criteria that you need to follow, then yeah, as you said, it becomes very easy to see all these flaws rather than oh, this was this was pretty pretty good and. Um, it also leads me to think about this fact of like, when you when we I mean we mentioned this before in terms of technique, but like that technique is an artificial construct that we come up with like certain aesthetical and like uh, mechanical parameters we want to line up in a specific fashion, and then we kind of judge it based upon that. But we need to remember is that like human bodies aren't the same. Like there are joint structure differences. There are muscle insertion differences. Some people lack certain muscles. Some people have fusions of certain muscles. There's a million things that are going on. And I was speaking to my friend who is a, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And he said like, I I'd ask him always about like, yeah, but what about these muscles and that muscles I'm interested in? He's like, Pff, when you open people up, it doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like the anatomy chart. It's a total mess, he says. You cut them open and then like, there's just like, the tissues are fused and you don't know what you're looking at and why is this thing here and like it's always a puzzle to get through and like do it do like because he does like a lot of hip replacement so he kind of just explains like yeah if if you know the name of that thing you're looking at just try not to cut there try to find somewhere else uh, <laughs> of course of, here. Oh, yeah of course jokingly but uh essentially this that like we need to consider that what what might be perfect technique for me uh, might not be for another person and a great example also of this is stuff like hyperextended elbow. Uh, like people have said to me, for example, yeah, but you need to put your head closer to your arm. Uh, and when I've tried to put my head significantly closer to my arm, what happens due to the width of my shoulders and the fact I don't have any hyperextension on my elbow is that my shoulder sinks out to the side and my balancing is it's extremely inefficient. Whereas someone else with either than another shoulder structure perhaps or a hyperextended elbow can have a different placement. And doesn't mean that my one arm is worse than that person. It just means no, that no, it's objectively worse. <laughs> <laughs> We're just dealing with like different bodies. And I just think it's so important to just take into account that like at one point you'll need to adapt this technique to your body and not only adapt the body to the technique because yeah. you might just end up either just hitting a brick wall and I know, I know many people that have kind of like bought this narrative of having to do it exactly this way or it's wrong and they just end up getting very little done because it's just, it might not uh, correlate or work with a certain person. And I've, t I've worked with many students like that. One guy, like he had to twist his hip on, on when he went on his, on his left arm. And regardless of the things I saw him try and I tried and I gave him advice, maybe try this, try that, like, nothing worked because when he not, didn't twist in that direction on that arm, he would fall. I can't explain why, but he can stand really, really, really well on that arm when he allows that twist yeah. to happen. Should that make him feel like a bad person? No, he can stand really well on that arm. Yeah, it's thing, Looks uh, good too. Yeah, it's kind of like you have to try as hard as you can to reach the technical constraints of what you're doing. 
but we also have to remember the technical constraints are there to express an an in, <coughs> an internal pr- principle. Mm. So it's like alignment is actually an internal principle that expresses in a straight line because that's the cleanest way to express it. So at some points, like you might have to adapt the technique to your body, and sometimes it can be much earlier. Like there's some people I know who just, you know they're never going to be able to get a straight, perfectly straight handstand due to the way previous shoulder injuries and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas they can still express the principles of a straight line and balance and control what will come with it. It's just their shoulders, like you'd have to, uh, the technique I'd advise them to use is the old school Chinese technique where it was very flat up onto the thoracic spine, then has a bit of an arch and then the shoulder can remain a bit closed. And, you know, people nowadays, if you show them a picture of this technique, we go, oh, that's terrible. Then if you show them, well, here's one person doing a one arm on a slack wire well yeah, with rings, the, yeah exactly. on fire and everything else and then I go well, you cannot argue that they cannot achieve technical and elite level mastery no just exactly. because they haven't got a, this thing so it's always that idea of educated uh, educated experimentation mm. I like people go like with clients I do I like to say there's nothing really wrong but you have to know why you're doing it and have chosen to do it mm. That's kind of one of the things I want people to do. It's like, oh, I'm bending my back in my tuck handstand. Do you know you're bending your back? Yeah, I do. Did you choose to do it? Yeah, okay, cool. Could you close and straighten the back out? Uh, not yet, but I know how to do it. I know how to work on it. Fine, I'm mm. happy with that. It's mm. not a, It's this thing. I just, I want people to be consistent and enjoy the practice, but also not enjoy it too much mm. to the point that they keep coming back and do it. And if we start as coaches putting in too much, this is good, this is bad, you'll have a lot of people who just will quit or just get frustrated, increase frustration. There's kind of a frustration threshold mm. that eventually you'll just go, you know what? I'm just too frustrated. and I just, I'm sick of it. Particularly once we begin to get, there's kind of like this, a uh, level when you get past the beginner stage, like even when you can't do a two arm handstand, but you feel you better. You get better at the strong, at the wall drills. Your shoulders get more flexible. You feel it's a bit easier. And then you start getting the success of balancing. Mm. And then there's this kind of zone where you're like, oh, you get up to 30, 40 seconds. You're like, okay, I got this. Then you start doing some shapes. But there's this kind of dead zone from about 40 seconds and learning the shapes where things get better, but it's very slow. Progress is slow from that point onwards. Mm. And it's kind of like if you're expecting to make progress every single session, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a really like it's a really good, good thing to touch upon in terms of practice and mind mindset too. Like if you want to uh, increase your overall level of happiness, <laughs> well, with having don't such, do hand balancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, like basically just make sure that you you zoom out the when you when you look at your progress curve, zoom out like because very little happens in a week, very little happen in a couple of months, but like over like maybe three, six, eight, ten months, a couple of years, then you'll start seeing like some significant changes. And now, of course, you can even compare this to certain things such as like, if you go into the gym day one, you've never lifted a weight before, uh, and you expect to lift a load, load loads le- more next week, it likely won't happen. But like, give yourself seven months, and you'll likely be lifting significantly more if you kept consistency yeah. with the practice. So course there's much more parameters into hand balancing practice than just lifting a weight off the floor but there is um like you can have a consistency of practice like of of improvement but you really need to 
look at look upon it from a zoomed out perspective because yeah. you'll also have these kind of since there's so many things that will uh, influence how you balance since one thing is fatigue and strength and all of that and one will maybe be like focus and concentration like there's probably tons of just like neurochemical various reasons why some days you're sharp when you're balancing and some days not like I, I can still remember one of the best training sessions I've ever had in my entire life was when I lived in Copenhagen I had slept barely nothing and I I took everything I was just like oh this sucks and I don't know what to do I didn't eat breakfast I was like god damn it I just found some noodles and I ate them it was some, like I went to a it was one of these like buffet places with, yeah. where they had some like um uh thai food and it wasn't part like the food was kind of bad like it was it's not not very warm it was like, okay i'll just eat some went to the circus hall had a coffee and i just absolutely destroyed it for like five hours in a row i was on super fires like, where did this MSG. come from huh msg <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably just like hyped up on that but it yeah. yeah, like you can have this like very high about. degree of variance in the practice, and like if you if you at least know that that there are sometimes you're going to be so you're going to be so amped for your session and ready to kill it, and like yeah, you go in, and whoa, everything feels great, and then you just end up like a miserable pile on the floor, and you can't do anything, and you have no idea why it is going to happen, and that is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's the main takeaway from this is to have success and hand balance. Regardless of what level you're aiming to, it be it just I want to do a two arm, want to do a thing, tucks, I want to do shapes, I want to press, I want to get one arm, I want to perform. The number one variable I think you have to optimize your training for is consistency. You have to find the strategies that will make you be consistent, do mm. the training. You'll get involved, you get annoyed, but be able to come back and do it again. Yeah. It's kind of the main takeaway from this, I suppose. I think we've been going for about an hour and 20. Yeah, it's a pretty long one, a, actually. So, it's a long one, I think. Yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, loads of things to say about this, but... Um, I suppose you could probably come back and do another episode on this exact <laughs> yeah. topic of mindset. Yeah, I mean, if there's specific things that you, you'd like to hear about, like either mindset in terms of like training or performing or whatnot, that is also things that you can let us know. And um, yeah, send us a message either on like Handstand Factory on Instagram, Emmett Lewis or Mikal Balancing on Instagram. And... Yeah. Um, take it there. If you're interested in learning how to hand balance, we have a course on Handstand Factory. It can take you all the way from zero to hero on those. <laughs> zero to hero. We can give you the technical information. You have to bring the consistency. No guarantee on the consistency. Uh, other than that, uh, thanks for listening to us and hopefully we'll meet up at some point. <laughs>